Well, good morning. Welcome again today. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say a special thank you to the Walker Family Band with Uncle Sean and Cousin Josiah. And I also want to acknowledge that I could be the biggest groupie. If you are new with us, my name is Mark Walker, which might explain why I'm the biggest groupie. But in in all seriousness, uh, it's so good to worship together. You know, it's easy to worship when life is good and all seems familiar. But we have a God who's with us when life is good and when life is not. We have a God who's with us when things are familiar and when things are brand new. And we have a God who's with us when all is as it should be and also when all is as it should not be. Which is why we come together to worship God because God is with us in all of those things. Thanks be to God, amen? Now I realize that there are some of you who are here today and like you're just excited, life is good. We had a wedding here yesterday, right? Celebration, life is good. There's others of you who are coming today and you're just going through some really difficult situations. And wherever you are today, God is with you and God is present and God loves you and God is faithful. Amen? If you have your Bibles with you today, I'd invite you to join me in, in 2 Kings, the very end of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 25. We're going to begin in verse 27, and if you're able to today, I just invite you to stand as we read God's Word this morning. In the year that Awil Merodach, how's that for a name, became king of Babylon, he released Judah's king Jehoiakim from prison. This happened in the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, on the 27th day of the 12th month. Awil Merodach spoke kindly to Jehoiakim and seated him above the other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim took off his prisoner clothes and ate regularly in the king's presence for the rest of his life. At the king's command, a regular food allowance was given to him every day for the rest of his life. And this is the word of God for the people of God. And we all say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, last month, my family and I went on a two-week vacation. We, we love camping. And so we spent the first week of our vacation camping in, in Grand Teton National Park. We've been there before, which was part of why, some of you have been there too, you're like, you're with me. We've been there before, which is part of why we wanted to go back again. There's a campground where we've stayed that, you know, if you're you're done exploring the park or hiking or whatever else, it's just got a great beach. It's a rocky beach, but it's this large beach, and it's, it's a little bit protected, so it's not as windy there and things, and so it's great for paddle boarding, it's great for swimming. It's great for sitting with a book and soaking in the view. It's just a great place to be. So one of the things about this beach is there's these two islands that aren't all that particularly far. And over the last two years when we've been there, the kids have wanted to to take the paddle boards and go out to the islands, but we hadn't done it yet. A lot of other people have, but we hadn't done it yet. And so we're coming up 
on our last full day in the national park. We said, okay, today we're going to go out to the islands. So late morning, we went down to the water, and it was just a beautiful day. It was sunny, it was warm, it was calm, a perfect day for going out to the islands. So I got on one paddleboard, and, and Jennifer was on with me, and Renee and Anderson got on the other paddleboard, and we started to head out to the islands. And here's what it looked like. Pretty nice, right? Calm water, mountains in the background, and that's just as much as my camera lens would capture. Well, just about the time we got to the islands, there was a, a, a breeze that came up, it wasn't much, it was noticeable, enough to kind of make some little ripples and enough to kind of push you just slightly off course. Right after we got to the island though, like literally within the first minute, maybe two, that we stepped onto the island, that slight breeze turned into a strong wind. And those calm waters became filled with white caps. And we thought, this is not what we had planned. You know, there were some other paddle boarders who were farther out, and they kind of got stuck in the same thing, and we saw them make their way to a different island and get up on the island. And here we were, stuck on an island. I mean, the theme from Gilligan's Island was running through my head. And this wind just kept blowing and, and blowing, and somehow, in some way, I got internet signal. The only way I knew is my phone gave me an alert. Uh, it actually alerted me that my friend had just finished a workout. And I thought, well, if it's telling me this, that means I've got internet. So I checked the forecast while I had internet, and it said that the winds were going to stay consistent until about 6 or 7 p.m. So in my mind, I'm starting to think, here we are on this island with no trees. We do have two paddle boards. We do have a towel. We do have some water. It would not be the funnest thing to do in the world, but we could stay here for another five hours if we need to stay here for another five hours. After a little over an hour, the winds kind of died down just a little bit, but there were still plenty of whitecaps. But about this time, the couple who were on the other island started making their way back to shore. And we kind of watched what the waves were doing to them, and we thought, you know what, we could, we could do this. We've got our life jackets, we're all together, and if there's more of us in the water at once, that's a good thing if something happens to anybody. So quickly, we put our life jackets on, and we got in the water, and, and we took off towards shore. Well, we made it safely back to shore. What does any of that have to do with Second Kings? I really don't know other than the fact I wanted to tell that story sometime. <laughs> actually, I was reminded of that story yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was actually reading about Death Valley. Did you, any of you hear about the flash flooding in Death Valley? There was flash flooding in Death Valley, I think on Friday. Uh, in one time, about a year's worth of rain happened all at one time. And there were a thousand people stranded in the park. And when I read this yesterday, officials were saying it was going to take them four to six hours to clear a path to get the people out. But in the meantime, somewhere in all of this, there were people who took it into their own hands. Even though a way was made, was being made to rescue them, they went ahead and got out on their own. As I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, we're a patient folk, aren't we? We like to wait for things to come for us. 
We don't like taking matters into our own hands. It's easy to just wait for somebody else to do something for us. I thought of that as I was thinking of 2 Kings. You know, throughout First and Second Kings, it, it tells us some of this story of the challenge of patience and waiting, in particular waiting for God to do what God has said that God will do. We see this throughout First and Second Kings. There, there, there are people who, who look around them and they say, you know, God, we're not like everybody else. Everybody else has a king and we don't, and we feel a little bit like self-conscious because of this. So we want a king like everybody else. And God speaks to the prophet Samuel and says, Samuel, listen, just give them what they want. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me, is what God says. So God gives them a king and very quickly, the kings start to make a lot of decisions that, that from a worldly perspective or a political perspective were really good, smart, practical, pragmatic decisions, but they weren't the ways that God was leading God's people. And all this starts to happen very quickly, and, and things kind of unfold really rather quickly. It's only a couple of kings into this new endeavor when the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split ways. You have Israel to the north, you have, have Judah to the south, and we talked about this before, but one of the things that, that the kingdom of Israel did is, is, is their king set up two different places of worship because Jerusalem, where the temple was, was in the southern kingdom. This is now a separate country, so how will the people from the northern kingdom go to the southern kingdom to worship God, and they need to worship God? So it makes sense to build places of worship here, right? And in those two places of worship, they put a golden calf in each one of those places, which as we've talked about, if you're familiar with Scripture, we think Exodus 32, God's people build the golden calf in the wilderness because Moses is up on the mountain talking to God, and they don't know if Moses is coming back again. It's really difficult to wait for 40 days for God to do something. So what did the people do? They took matters into their own hands, right? Does this sound familiar to some of you? You know, we read through this throughout 2 Kings, and as we kind of come to the end of 2 Kings, we realize that through generations of unfaithfulness, through generations of being warned, eventually what happens? God's people are taken into exile. You know, as we read about the exiles, we think about this, that there are other places in Scripture that shed light on this. We could look at a lot of the prophetic books and one of the passages I often think of is Jeremiah chapter 29. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God's people are exiled, and they're saying, how do we worship God in a foreign country? How do we worship God when we thought God would protect us and not let these things happen to us? How do we worship God in the midst of all of this? And finally, God says, listen, I am with you where you are. So stop just kind of doing nothing it's time for you to start living where you are. So build homes and plant gardens and get married and have babies and have your babies grow up and get married and do all of this because God says, good news for you. I'm going to rescue you 70 years from now. In other words, I'm going to rescue you when you're all dead and gone. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Do you realize that's the context of that verse? God is speaking of his plans for his people 
(laughs) Although those who were hearing this were not going to live to see it to fruition. But yet they were called to live with faithful obedience for a promise that would come, but that they would not live to see. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? You understand? When I, I'll try to help you get to that. You know, when I was pastoring in, in Michigan, we'd been there for a little while, and I, I heard people start telling stories about somebody by the name of Grandma Campbell. I never met Grandma Campbell because she died a number of years before I came to that church. But they would tell stories about Grandma Campbell and about her faithfulness. The, the church had been located somewhere else, and for years, Grandma Campbell lived just down the street from the church. And I'd hear stories that like at VBS time, she'd take her little car and she would pack it full, fuller than it was legal to do with, with her grandkids and bring them all to vacation Bible school. And I heard these kinds of stories. Well, there's a period over several years where a number of Grandma Campbell's now adult grandkids came back to church and came to know Jesus Christ. And their spouses came to know Jesus Christ. And their children came to know Jesus Christ. And this was several decades after Grandma Campbell had died. But as we celebrated as a congregation, we celebrated the faithfulness of Grandma Campbell, who prayed for those grandkids. And God answered those prayers, even though she never lived to see that happen. And that's this kind of faith that all of us are called into. To be faithful to God and to trust in God even if we don't see some of those things come to fruition. Are you tracking with me here today? And this is some of what we wrestle with and we see throughout First and Second Kings. <laughs> First and Second Kings talks a lot about the lives of the kings and we realize really quickly that both Israel and Judah had a lot of bad kings. They had a lot of kings who who got kind of caught up with the currents of of culture or the world around them and made kind of really smart worldly choices, but didn't really trust in God and what God was calling them to do. And that wasn't true only of the kings. That was also true of all of the people. The people of Israel fell into this same trap. But in spite of this, God continued to offer grace to God's people. God continued to call out to them, to, to call them back, to to offer them his love and his grace, and the people just continued to reject God's gracious invitation. And all this comes to a head in 1 and 2 Kings at the very beginning of chapter 25. At the very beginning of chapter 25, King Nebuchadnezzar sends his armies to Jerusalem. Now, this isn't the first time that King Nebuchadnezzar had sent his armies to Jerusalem. Back in chapter 24, we read about King Nebuchadnezzar sending his armies to Jerusalem. And and at that time, the the, the king of Judah was somebody by the name of Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim was captured by Nebuchadnezzar and taken back to Babylon and put into prison. And then there was another king, King Zedekiah, who was kind of like a puppet king. He was kind of placed into this position of power, and he really didn't do all that Nebuchadnezzar wanted him to do. So by the time we get to chapter 25, the Babylonian armies come in, 
And eventually, the king and his armies try to flee, and they're captured. And you know what happens to King Zedekiah? He's captured by King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar kills all of his sons in front of him and then blinds his eyes. So the last things that he will see is the death of his kids. And then he's taken captive in Babylon. And then the temple is destroyed. Jerusalem is destroyed. And most of the people are taken into exile. It's this pretty bleak picture, isn't it? You know, it's a situation that left God's people with searching questions. Can we really trust God? Is God really who we thought God was if all of this can happen to us? Do we have any hope left? Second Kings begins to point us in that direction with the verses we read just a few moments ago. It points us in that direction by, by picking up almost 40 years after King Jehoiakim had first been captured and exiled. And this time, a new king of Babylon has come to power. And this king releases Jehoiakim from prison and invites him to eat with him at his table. And 2 Kings tells us that this happened for the rest of his life. Now, I realize that some of this might just seem a little bit like a history lesson. So I want you all to take out your pencils and we're going to have a pop quiz now. You know, this might seem like a history lesson, just this king was captured and put in exile and a puppet king and then he was disposed of and Jerusalem was conquered and the king who was exiled before is now, it just kind of seems like history, what's going on here? But if we just pause for a moment and think about this, here was this king who was exiled and in prison and then was released from prison and welcomed at the king's table. Can any of you today think of anybody else from Scripture, a person of God, who was taken to a far-off country, who was put in prison, but then was released from prison and welcomed at the king's table? I think I saw a couple of you mouthing it. Joseph, right? Joseph. Joseph was taken to a far-off country. He was falsely accused and falsely imprisoned, and eventually he was welcomed at the king's table. You remember the story here? You know, when we think about somebody like Joseph, it's easy for us to say, clearly God had a plan. I do believe that God had a plan, but I also think we have to be careful when we make a statement like that. I think God had a plan, but I don't think God controls and manipulates every situation. I don't think it was God's divine plan for Joseph's brothers to want to kill him. I don't think it was God's divine plan for Joseph's brothers to want to sell him into slavery. I don't think it was God's divine plan for Joseph to be falsely accused and put in prison. But what I do believe is that what people intended for harm, God was able to show up and work and redeem. Are you with me here? 
And we see that through the life of, of Joseph, right? God was not behind the pain and difficulty, but God worked through the pain and difficulty. As we think about that through the life of Joseph, I think that actually 2 Kings is, is starting to point us in that direction here. In spite of the fact that for generations, kings and people have rejected the Word of God, in spite of the fact that for generations, people have refused to receive God's gracious invitation, in spite of the fact that for generations, people have tried to do it through their, their own power and ability, trusting in what they could see or what they could touch rather than trusting in God, in spite of all of that, God is still present, and God is still showing up. You see, he, here is Jehoiakim, who who would have rightly still been king of Judah. And even after 37 years in prison in a foreign country, God has not forgotten him. After all of that time, God has not forgotten him. God is still present. God still shows up. You know, generations later, the people of Israel would still not be fully restored. You know, if we, we read through Scripture, we discover that after about that 70 years, the people would return from exile. They would rebuild Jerusalem. They would rebuild the city walls. They would rebuild the temple. But even after generations of this, it wasn't the same because the people of Israel were still under control of other governments, right? Particularly as we think about that, we think of the Roman Empire. They would continue to control God's people. So while they, they had a lot of what they had, they, they still weren't kind of fully free. And this is generations after what we read about today. But even generations later, when things had not changed the way people thought they should have changed, you know what? God was still present, and God still showed up, and God did not forget his people. In fact, you know what happens a number of generations after these words? God raises up a new leader who would be called the king of the Jews. Do you know what his name is? Jesus. And Jesus never sat on a throne, but he was recognized as the king of God's people. And one of the things for, for all that Jesus does, one of the things we see through Jesus is that for all of the temptations, for all of the, the poles to, to just kind of give in with the ways that the world works in order to try to accomplish something good, for all of those poles to be conformed to these things, it is possible to stay faithful and obedient to God. And even when Jesus' faithfulness took him to the cross, God raised him from the dead. Amen? You know, so what is it that we see in all of this? You know, through all of this, I think it's, it's helpful for us to remember, you know, we can, we can just get caught up in the midst of life. We can see the, the painfulness that's around us. We can struggle with the challenge of not good diagnoses. We can struggle with the pain of, of broken 
relationships. We can struggle with, with living in a culture that's divisive. We can struggle with, with all of the challenges that life just brings. But in the midst of all of that, you know what? God shows up, and God is present, and God is faithful. And sometimes it can be really difficult to see. It can seem like just a bunch of history, (laughs) but God shows up, and God is present, and God is faithful. And may we have the eyes to see and the courage to follow right where God is. Amen? You know, as we've worked through First and Second Kings these last couple of months, in the back of my mind, there's been a verse that I haven't really shared with all of you, but I wanted to share it today. This is that verse. Do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed. It's found in Romans chapter 2. It's this invitation for us to not allow the the currents that surround us to to shape us and carry us, but, but to trust in God and to walk in faithful obedience even when we don't see how it's all gonna work out. And that's my prayer for you and my prayer for me, that we would do just that, amen? Lord, today as we come before you, God, we are so thankful that you are a God who never forgets us. We are thankful today that you are a God who is always present, who always shows up, who always makes a way. And Lord, today as we come before you, Lord, we pray that by your grace and power at work within us, that you would help us to live faithful, obedient lives. Lord, that you would help us not to get caught up with the world as it is, but that you would help us to to live in such a manner that would offer a different way to those around us, that our very lives themselves would point to your love and grace and the transformation that it makes and the new life that it can bring. And so, God, today we offer ourselves to you for this purpose, for that is our spiritual act of worship. So, God, we humbly come before you now and say that we need you to help us to live for you in the way that you've called us to live. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. I'd like you to stand this morning if you're able. Close out this time of worship together with a praise to our King for his greatness and his goodness.
trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and all will sing who've received God's love and grace, we go to embody God's love and grace, to be God's love and grace to those around us. As we've been reminded, we can't do that on our own. So I'd invite you to join with me in our benediction together today. As we go, we acknowledge that we cannot live godly lives in our own strength and power. We need God's grace, but we also need one another. As we go, may we go through the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.